Hello and welcome to the Novel Traveller podcast. My name is Michelle Walsh-Jackson and I'm the Novel Traveller. So are you dreaming of adventure and going on a bucket list trip anytime soon? Well, it may not look like it this year, but this week's podcast will certainly help you to prepare for that. And lots of people are looking at travelling in 2022. My guest this week is radio and TV presenter Ruth Scott. She has certainly been on some novel trips over the years and we have some great chats about her climbing of Kilimanjaro and some other far-flung places. Earlier this week I had an email from a listener looking for help and advice on booking a safari in 2022. So I caught up with Kira Foley of Platinum Travel to find out what the travel industry is doing to prepare for the opening up of travel again. So be sure to listen in to hear about her free inline inspiration evenings that are coming up over the next two weeks. But for now, sit back and enjoy this week's novel travel. Well, with me today is radio and TV presenter Ruth Scott. And thanks very much for joining me, Ruth. Listen, this is the most exciting thing to happen to me. Since COVID flipping started, so it is my absolute pleasure to get to talk to you, Michelle. Is it lovely? Is it lovely to talk about something nicer? Well, we always do talk about travel on the Elaine show, don't we? You know, when you're doing, when you're presenting it. So, you know, it's lovely to to find out what you like and what your preferences and what you've done. Yeah, and it's I've almost nearly forgotten at this stage what I like <laughs> and what my preferences are. But I'm looking forward to those days coming back again. Oh, yeah, and, and they will, and they will indeed. So yeah. I'm, do, I'm going to start off with a quick fire round, if that's okay with you, just to get yeah. an idea of, of what you really like. Um, so say you're heading off to, to the takeaway. Would you go for Chinese or Indian? Indian. Indian. And if you're going to travel, would you prefer a boat or a train? Oh, I like train. I sort of feel a bit of the... Um, what's that fancy train that oh, anyway, you know Orient what Express. I mean? The Orient yeah. Express, no, yeah. No romance of the train. I'm not flagging Irish rail, but it's no Orient <laughs> Express, but I do enjoy a train journey. And I do think a train journeys are going to be big when we do start to travel yeah. again. I think people are going to want to go on epic train journeys like through Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So vineyards or distillery? Oh, vineyards, I'd say. Yeah, I think I think it's lovely because you get to you get a kind of a feel for the place, don't you, as well? Yeah, now my, I'd have to argue with my husband over this because he would probably prefer a distillery. In fact, he'd prefer a brewery. So, oh, right. we, yeah. I Although, that that you know, I, option. <laughs> yeah, you can add that in. We live in Ichikora and there's a brewery here now, a beer brewery and a gin distillery. Oh my God, it's like I'm on my holidays all the time in Ichikora. <laughs> yeah, just open the door and you can smell it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, would, would you opt more for luxury or adventure? I. I think um, somewhere in the middle, I'm, I get a bit bored with luxury. That sounds terribly uh, notiony, but I like adventure. I like heading off, even if I'm just walking down the local street, looking in the local supermarket to see what kind of crazy stuff they sell. I do like a little bit of adventure. Um, I think I'm probably a bit scabby to be going for luxury. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, but but and luxurious adventure is good too. <laughs> yeah. um, e-book or paperback? paperback yeah paperback and then bring it back to the uh, charity shop it's funny you mentioned because any time in the past we've gone on holidays we always go down to the charity shop and get a load of books to bring away with us I'm a bit of a, an eco I don't know don't use the word freak but I do like the idea of reusing and recycling and there's and loads of great books that I haven't read that are in the charity shop <laughs> would you leave them behind you when you're on your travels if you're in the hotel or that would you leave them yeah if, so, if it's a hotel that has uh, bookshelves there oh I've done it so many times I've absolutely devoured their my books and then swapped for their books and then left them all there yeah you know, I, so. I think that's a great thing to do any hotels that do yeah. that they're, they're very popular with me I have to say yeah uh, be- beach or mountain Ooh, I oh don't make me choose I like a bit of both I do like the beach when it's really hot weather I do like the beach because it is a nice breeze to cool you down yeah and it's a bit cooler on the mountain too isn't it I think you're a bit I, like me Ruth I think you like it <laughs> yeah look to be honest I got outside my 5k today in the middle of lockdown to go to the dentist and that was quite an adventure uh, genuinely the dentist was probably wondering why is Ruth so grinning so inanely coming did, to visit the dentist did you dress up did you 
no, I, last I did not. But, you know, it's exciting to go anywhere these days. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, would you prefer a caravan or a tent? Caravan. Caravan. Stayed in caravan on on um, on ho- family holidays years ago. I'm one of eight kids. And I just remember a lot of us in a caravan. <laughs> and not, not one of your fancy mobile homes now. This is like the caravan that... That Graham Norton was dancing in that episode of Fall Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Hitched up yeah. on the back of the, I up on the back of the, yeah. the Volkswagen or whatever. Yeah, exactly. uh, brilliant, brilliant. And, and I suppose this is kind of a worky one. Uh, jazz or rock? Oh my God, I think jazz is the music of Satan. I, I just hate jazz. So I do, I like rock, yeah. You know, I've always, seven older brothers and sisters, there was always music in the house when I was a kid. So I was exposed to the likes of Elvis and the Beatles and Led Zeppelin when I was three and four years old. So I've always hold them very near and dear to my heart. Are you the baby? Yeah, the baby. baby. Hello, the baby, as my mother used to say. (laughs) And now this is this is food for thought for that. I don't know if you've ever done a Camino, but would you rather do a Camino or a cycle as a holiday? Funny, I I climbed Kilimanjaro about 10 years ago. Um, so I kind of compare that to a Camino, I guess. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it to my enemy. So I would say cycle. Really? Yeah. Really? Did you oh not enjoy it? What was it, the altitude? You, or? Do you know what it was? Um, we were hooshed up the mountain too quickly and you need time to adjust to the altitude. This isn't just like climbing up the Sugarloaf. And this isn't even like climbing Karen Tuhill. It, the, the oxygen, your, your lungs actually feel deprived all the time you're up there. And so we did this my sleeping bag wasn't warm enough for like this is like this is not like my diamond shoes are too tight for my feet this is like the temperatures were about minus 10 minus 15 at night and my sleeping bag not my fault by the way you you go through a company and it's all organized for you it wasn't warm enough so you were awake at night with the cold the altitude sickness the oh it was hideous but you made it to the top i did and do you know what i do you know what i did when i reached the top of kilimanjaro i cried and cried and cried and then I came back down the mountain and I was like that was awful and shortly afterwards this woman I knew I know she said to me we're getting married now next year would you think it'd be a good idea to do Kilimanjaro on your honeymoon and I said well yeah if you want to get divorced immediately but otherwise (laughs) um, well that's a great achievement and that's on my bucket list and you haven't put me off because I go to I go make sure I've got plenty of uh, sleep bags (laughs) yeah plenty plenty yeah I was it a, a local tour operator or was it an, an Irish company that, that organized it was it? it was organized with um through an Irish crowd via a UK crowd and it was really well organized don't get me wrong and um, we had a doctor with us as well which was just as well because one of the women had to be airlifted off um due to hypothermia long story short there's a, there was a documentary about it on RT about 10 years ago um, and we were doing fundraising for Crumlin uh, Medical Research Foundation. And one of the women, she, you know, got hypothermia. It was pretty stressful. There was a great team camaraderie and that was great. But I genuinely think that we were all a bit af- affected. Um, not not post-traumatic stress disorder. Sure. But we all, you know, we were all in contact afterwards. And we all said that for the first week or two, we were a bit shook. And not well, just physically, you're talking mentally. And, and and I can't even put my finger on as to why, other than maybe lack of oxygen. Well, what time of year was it um, that you went? Was it particularly? I, no, it was about se- September, October. So it was a pleasant time. Like if, if this was Irish weather, you're Ideal, talking yeah, like yeah. you go into the tropical forest and then as you go up, it gets colder and then it gets, and you just have all your clothes on. And getting into your sleeping bag at night, you're wearing all your clothes, you're wearing a hat, and you're, you're doing that thing. I don't know if you know um, South Park and Cartman, the character in the orange hoodie. Yeah. He's real tight. You can just about kind of see his nose and his mouth. That's what it's like in bed. And then you're on these tablets to prevent um, uh, altitude sickness. Just... But they make you need to wee quite a bit. So you have to get out of, the, out of the tent, put your shoes on. And not to harp on about it, but like going 200 yards to the loo and back. It felt like you had done a marathon up a hill. Your heart and lungs would just be racing. You might need Horrible. a little pot. That there's call for a potty there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't have to. Did you share your tent, or was it? A- oh, I did. Yeah, oh, I did. I shared mine with um, a lovely woman that I used to work with, Sharon. 
uh, Sharon Delaney, who worked out in RT with me at yeah. the time. So we were great, you know, and there was that brilliant camaraderie and there's nothing like being in a sort of a challenging, you know, albeit a nice, pleasant sort of quote unquote holiday vibe. And um, it, it definitely does strengthen a friendship. Yeah. Bond. Well, what a great experience. I hope you've got loads of photos of it. No, because uh, no. your battery well, she was filming it. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, there is the documentary, but yeah. when you get up into the cold, uh, the, the batteries don't last in the cold. And so as a result, you couldn't you wouldn't have like um, phone batteries wouldn't have lasted. You wouldn't have had any music to listen to. Um, camera batteries were dead pretty quickly. But there is the documentary. <laughs> that sounds like all I've done is moan about Kilimanjaro. But no, but it's great. No, that's the realistic side for me. Yeah, it's great. We I have to hear it. everything. I want to hear everything yeah. about your travels, Ruth. I want to hear everything. <laughs> I'm going to bring it back a bit further now. What's your first holiday memory? Like the, the first holiday that you took a flight on that well, or, the, the, or, or, or a yeah. boat or whatever? Oh, oh, a boat. Okay, well, a boat involved um, a day trip to Llandidno in Wales. Uh, and I was only, I'd say, about five or six years old. And I, I'm still not sure why they brought us there. I'm sure it was a lovely place. But there would have School been... trip, my, was it? <laughs> no, it was my mother and eight children and a load of sandwiches headed over. And I'm very bad on boats, so I'm sure I was sick all the way over. But that was my first ever boat trip. We were lucky that there was room for all of us. My brothers used to be put in the boot of the car. There was like, you'd have the five <laughs> sisters in the car. Ha, listen, these were different times. Sounds no, great. And then the first flight was, I was about 13. And my eldest sister had just had twins. And you know, this thing of, I think it's kids under two fly for free. And so she had said, would you like to come with us to be a babysitter for a week or two? And I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Except... The reality is I was there as a babysitter with two small kids running around a swimming pool. So I was like on my toes all the time. Did you, was, how, was, how old were you? I was I was 13. And my sister loves to remind me that when the plane was landing, um, her husband would be a, an apprehensive flyer. So he was distracted. The two, the twins were bawling. And apparently I was crying because I had pains in my ears because it was my first time in a flight. Oh, so, I'd say my, my sister probably didn't leave the country again for a long time. Oh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't actually remember the first time I flew on holidays like that. That was my first flight. And OK, it was a holiday, but I was a babysitter. But I can't remember. It wouldn't have been very common in my family just because there were so many of us. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and you yeah. know, when kids are running around the pool like that, you do have to just have the armband stuck on them. I hope I hope you did do yeah. that. You did stick oh, yeah. And actually, do you know what, Michelle, my friend, so I'm originally from Raskaman and my friends still slag me because they say, do you remember when you used to babysit the twins and bring them up to town? And we used to have these, we used to call them the leashes. And it was like, they, I'd have one bit strapped on my wrist and one bit strapped on the other one's wrist. But there was a big long, like a telephone coil wire between us. So they could run as far away as about two meters. And then cartoon style, they'd be like, <laughs> and they'd come back to you. And so they were great. And I know they looked ridiculous, but with two kids like yeah. it's the only way you can manage and you also still have your hands free to you know be able to do grab things and whatnot absolutely um, you're outnumbered I've tried I yeah. traveled always with my kids my kids always came away with me especially when they were small no matter how small oh. and you you know you there's something great about a lead I know it doesn't look oh, looks politically yeah. incorrect but you like to keep them near especially when you're traveling in a different oh, country yeah. yeah for sure yes so what was the funniest thing that ever happened to you on holiday Ruth um, the funniest thing that ever happened to me, I think it could have been the time I was naked in a spa um, because well, I, that I, just, that, 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 that's kind of proper conduct now in Austria. You have well, to you be know naked. What? Yeah. And actually, in fairness, we, we were in Germany at the time. So my mother-in-law is German right. and she's from Hamburg, which I've gone to visit several times. I tell you what. Hamburg is a great city to visit. You've got all of the Beatles sort of history to it. You've got some gorgeous coastline. Like I know it's North Sea, gorgeous coastline. And you can rent a bike, bring it on the train, head out the countryside, cycle in along the, the, the coastline. It's really lovely there. Um, also helped by the fact that my husband is a native German speaker. So I literally, I'm like a princess. I'd say oh, like... I'd like a cup of tea and a bun and he'll go off and he'll find and he'll do the German speaking. But yet, I think my first time in a spa was maybe the funniest because I was so I was just so kind of self-conscious 
Um, and for ages, any we've gone to Germany quite a bit, and we've been to Austria even on our honeymoon. And every time we'd see, because they've had these amazing, I want to call it a swimming pool. You know, like your local town has the swimming pool, but this is like yeah. a swimming pool with five or six pools and a sea and a salt pool and all these different facilities for you know all ages. And sure, then it's a spa, a spa town. What's the name of the town? Oh, this is just like a normal, normal town. So like in. Oh, so it's not, like, it's not an actual spring. It's, it's not, not a town with its no. own spring. Oh, no. Right. Okay. And in fact, then you, you have another area where as you can go as a, an adult, maybe it's the over 18s and then you pay a little bit more and you've got your infrared, all your different uh, saunas, steam rooms. the co- And then, of course, you go outside in the snow to cool down. So we did that in the nip and. My my husband got into it a bit quicker than I did. And I was like, oh, I can't be taken off my town. It's if you can imagine your local cafe in your local town where the bank manager is saying how are you to the teacher and they all know each other. They're all sitting there stark naked. Naked, naked. And in fact, there's an area where you could go and you can sit and have a beer. And they're sitting there with the legs crossed having a beer, buck naked. That was just just it's a memory that stays with me it really does I, I know what you're talking about I was in one in Austria and, and I know exactly but when the beer comes around it does distract but I found it I found it very um yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah well, we're not used to that the Swedish and everything are oh, so used yeah. to it oh. that's the way they yeah and you cannot wear swimming togs because they look on them as unhygienic they yes. would much rather you go now by the way in case you're listening going naked sitting in a spa you always have a towel under your bum don't be worrying about that you always have a towel under your bum. <laughs> there is a certain level of decorum. But I kind of, with, with time and age and maybe wisdom, I've, I've learned to appreciate that. Do you know what? They're just flipping well bodies. Yeah. And we all have a body. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, aren't, we, aren't we lucky to have them? So um, that's, that's... I, do, I do think of that, though, quite often. Oh, very good. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I asked you what your worst travel experience was. And would you you wouldn't have Kilimanjaro as that because there's this huge sense of accomplishment. Oh, I yeah. No, that. Kilimanjaro. Without oh, that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, there was the time I got blood poisoning in China. Um, oh, you've got to tell us about brilliant. that. Oh, you've got. To say. Yeah, this was brilliant, actually. So um, a friend of mine and his wife this is about 10 years. Do you know what? It was the year before the Beijing Olympics. And my friend contacted me and he said, my wife, he said, Elena's after finding these phenomenally good value flights from London to China. They're, I think they were 80, they wouldn't even have been pounds, 80 euros each way. And he said, the flight is next year. So he said, look, worst case scenario, if the company goes bust between now and then, we've lost 160 pounds. And if we do get to go there, then great. We went, they organized it then, there was about eight of us went away. We had a great time in China. Now, two things. I'm not the kind of person that goes away and typically eats just Pizza Hut and McDonald's all the time. I like to try the local stuff. But by God, our stomachs were in bits the entire time. We, we were, there was no middle ground with our, and you know, you don't need to hear about the toilet escapades, but like we didn't go on a fancy all pre-planned holiday. We went on it. We know we're going here first. We know we're going to get a train there and go and see that. We know we're going to go here and then go and see that. Um, at one point then I woke up and I was like, lads, I feel really sick. Oh, actually, I should bring the story back a tiny bit. Sorry, yeah. Michelle. Was it there. Beijing or Shanghai? Or, or which? So we, we flew into Hong Kong and stayed there a couple of days and then went over to the mainland where we all had our passports stamped. And uh, you get looked suspiciously at when you work in media. Well, you certainly did at the time. I'd oh, had to yeah. get a letter. Yeah. I'd had to get a letter from my boss in RT at the time saying Ruth is actually going to China on holidays and she's not doing any work, any media work while she's there. Uh, and that's how I got my visa. So we went, got over to the mainland and then we went um, cross country. We went up to Beijing. We had a look around there and I decided I want to see the pandas in the zoo. And so I had missed out on, because it was eight of us, sometimes you'd head off and do different things at different times. I went to this amazing park in Beijing on my own and I thought, oh, this is lovely now. I've seen that. Yeah. Now I'm going to get a taxi and go to the zoo and see the pandas in Beijing because that's what you do. And I went outside. Without, uh, a, word, without a word in Mandarin. Or... <laughs> without oh, And do you know what I did have the foresight to do? I asked them to write down the name of where we were staying on a piece of paper. Um, you did that. So I, went out, I went outside taxi drivers and we had been told, don't get in a taxi that doesn't have a taxi sign on top and that doesn't have a meter. So I went outside and I saw these taxis and the sign on the top. 
hopped into the cab anyway. And I said, I was able to say Beijing Zoo. And I said, where's the meter? Meter? And your man lifts a little kind of a towel and he had the meter hidden. So in other words, if the cops saw him with the meter, he wasn't a legitimate taxi. So, and then he also, he took the roof sign off and brought it into the car with him. And I thought, Oh, Jesus, lads, I'm, I'm going to be absolutely shanghaied here. And that was an accidental pun. Um, so I said, no, 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 no. And I jumped out. Anyway, I got to the zoo. And when I was leaving the zoo, I went to a line of official taxis outside to go back to my accommodation. And I handed the first guy the piece of paper. And he looked at it and he went, no, and gestured behind me as if to say, get into the car behind. So I went to the next one, showed him the address. No, must have gone through about seven or eight cabs. None of them would... None of them would even consider. And well, it wasn't that it was far. I think what it was was that the address was written down incorrectly. And I genuinely, I thought I am going to be abandoned without a word. Did you remember the name of the hotel in English? (laughs) Do you know what? It wasn't a hotel. Somebody had organized that we were in these little traditional Chinese houses. I can't remember what it was called. Hutangs. Hutangs. That's the word. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. Hutangs. Okay, and it oh, was no, all they're, the they're brilliant bridge. though, aren't they? They're oh, fabulous. You fabulous. really experience it when you go yeah. around those. But then about two days later, I had gotten a tiny cut on my toe going around the park. Honestly, this story goes somewhere, I promise you. And I woke up and I felt really sick and fluey and I had this red line going up my leg. So you know the way you might see a blue, the blue of a vein? Oh my God, you get an insect. Was it an insect? Basically, I got blood poisoning and I was really, really sick. And so then we were, we actually had to get on a flight and fly down to wherever the, the Terracotta Warriors are, which is in the, in the kind of in the in middle of nowhere. Xi'an, isn't it? Xi'an, uh, Guangchong? I don't, I don't know. But yeah, anyway. No, it just escaped me. Yeah. Got there, got to our accommodation. I was really sick. So one of the women from the accommodation and my friend came with me to the hospital. And bear in mind now, I'm about five foot ten. When I walked into the hospital, they literally stopped and stared at me. Oh, by the way, strangers would take our oh, picture. That's true. That's true. That's yeah. I, I bought a crowd of school children to Beijing. Can you imagine? They all felt like rock stars. They were instant Instagrammers. The people, and you know, the, the people come in from the country to Tiananmen Square and that they do their kind of pilgrimage. They thought they were rock stars. They just, yeah, that's yeah. what a lot of the people are. They're actually Chinese yeah, people were ha- People were handing us babies so that they would take our picture holding their baby so anyway we're in the hospital and I go in with this red line advancing up my leg and uh, I'm allergic to penicillin and typically penicillin is the first antibiotic they would give somebody when they're showing signs of illness so I was literally roaring at them going no penicillin don't give me penicillin I don't obviously speak the language or the dialect they understood it but they uh, they gave me they put a drip of some non-penicillin thing in my arm and brought me to a room where they I kind of began to understand this will be a day visit I'll be here for a couple of hours they brought me into a room with three beds and all the beds were full and I thought you know what it's China I'll sit on the floor I don't care but then a man in the middle bed was just getting up out of the bed he literally threw back the duvet a duvet what hospital has a duvet duvet (laughs) yeah so he threw it back put on his shoes and walked out of the room and the nurse beside me gestured to me that's your bed to get in Oh, no. Yeah. No, so I, on top I, of kind of, oh. I perched on the edge. No, I was <laughs> sick as a dog. Like my, I was literally being poisoned. And then she was doing the gesturing of lie down, lie down. And I just describe it as being like a complicated Pilates move. There's <laughs> more to that story. But I don't you. want to traumatize your listeners. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it was bizarre. Oh, and all I, of my friends are like, oh, my God, don't tell us the story about China again, where you had to get into the bed and it was warm. <laughs> It's unheard of. Imagine it nowadays. Oh my god, unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Oh my god, what a great. Do you, I, I never asked what you thought of uh, Beijing Zoo. I just remember thinking it's a bit dark and a bit sad where the pandas were. Um, but now, Michelle, this was this could have been two thousand and seven, so mm. it, it would have been a different time. Maybe I don't. Mm. I think I literally just went to see the pandas and left. I don't yeah. remember anything else about it. Why have you? No, it was quite. It was quite. I, I, I reckon. I thought the pandas were actually doing quite okay there. Um, okay. I, I was quite harrowing the um, monkeys, and they were kind of like wolves. Aww. And and it was just the Aww. condition they were in was so bad. Yeah. It really, really upset me. And I kind of thought, oh, yeah. I shouldn't be supporting this. This is. 
Yeah, yeah. really, really upset me now, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, the pandas were great entertainment. The pandas were lovely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and their condition, their, their surroundings were definitely the best, their environment. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of the saddest zoo. Uh, anyway, look, yeah. um, that, that is part. I do think tourism is going to be changing. And I do think that kind of mass tourism, huge amounts and groups of people moving maybe is going to be changed yeah. slightly, I think. So there might be just better environments for animals and, and, and yeah. people when we go and see them, you know. Um, mm. so who would be your favorite traveling companion dead or, dead or alive now you've got a lot of choice oh, there dead or alive mm. well mm. do you know what i'll be honest not to sound like a total sap my husband is great company on holidays we kind of love a bit of the same thing but we encourage each other we're like oh come on we do this oh we go down there and have a look oh come on we try this mad food or <laughs> push each other so, on yeah yeah so it is great like that i i suppose I could have notions about going on holidays with, you know, because I'm a radio presenter, some, uh, you know, some amazing musical artists. But like, I'd say if you went on holidays with the Rolling Stones, you'd be exhausted after about two days. The kind of shenanigans they'd get up to. I don't think I'd be able for that. Like, I do like on a holiday to have a nice cross between a bit of relaxing, a bit of moving around. But I do like to get my 10 hours sleep at night, Michelle. So. You're all right. <laughs> yeah. Like, honest to God, the, the husband is just without a doubt the best holiday companion. We literally, oh, we egg each other lovely. on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, oh that, that's great. You push, push your boundaries <laughs> so you get to see other and different yeah. things. Yeah. And, and, but if you could be anywhere in the world right now, where would it be? Oh, New Zealand, without a doubt. Oh, because they can move around freely. <laughs> Actually, you know, that really amps it up now. But <laughs> yeah. Um, I think maybe 15 years ago, I was in between jobs what do they call that gardening leave and I was I was about to start a big job and I realized that about six weeks off and Michelle this will show you how naive I am I went down to the the family home in Roscommon and I said I have a couple of weeks off I think I should go somewhere take advantage of the time because I'll never have six weeks off again um and I went to the travel agents in Roscommon and said I'd like to go somewhere next week where's the farthest I could go and they said, um, there's flights to New Zealand. And I was like, yep, grand, sign me up. Thanks very much. That's far enough away. <laughs> and, I, and I literally, like, I'm not joking. This was pre-internet. I had a mobile phone, but like this was before data on mobile phones. Uh, I went over, I had a New Zealand travel handbook and I literally didn't have a clue where I was going to go. I knew I was landing in Christchurch and I said, Do you know what? I'll rent a car now tomorrow. So I landed in Christchurch, had one night's accommodation book, rented a car and just drove off around the place. And oh my God, I love all on it. your own, all on your own, all on my own. Yeah, all on my own. Oh my God, I absolutely loved it. It is the most amazingly beautiful country I have ever seen. The South Island is just this amazing expanse of like the only way I could think to describe it is it's like Connemara times 10,000. Yeah. You know, if you think Connemara has this amazing landscape. Just think like the mountains, there's mountain ranges, they're covered in snow and beside them there's a tropical forest and uh, like just, it was just amazing. The walks were phenomenal and what I loved about it, and I, I do like to go for a walk, I, I would have been in hiking groups by times, but I loved this because you could park somewhere and there'd be a sign saying, you know, location one is a 15 minute walk, location two is an eight hour walk, location three is a three day walk. So you could pick and choose. So I'd be on my own. So I would be able to just like do an hour one or whatever it was. And I'd never seen water as blue as I did on the South Island in, in the lakes. I think it's called Lake Tekapo. Oh, my God, I loved it. I went whitewater rafting only because I had been singing karaoke in the pub the night before and won the prize. And the, um, oh, no way. Oh, yeah, my God. That's yeah. uh, what was it? Was it like really rapid um, waves? Was it quite well, fierce? Do you know what do you know what it was you could like that all the levels catered for in New Zealand I said yes. I'd like to go on the least the least scary one so I went with a bunch of people who were all probably 30 years older than me so I was like the Indiana Jones because I thought this is great I can tolerate this and they were a little more apprehensive so I honestly it was just the best crap oh it was amazing it, 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 it's great it is it, whitewater rafting I've only done it once I did it in Peru um, in the Andes with my son yeah and it wasn't too bad it was level three yeah. it was level so it was okay yeah. I would not be able for really harsh rapid ride, ride like that I really would no. 
because you do get, I mean, you're, thro- you're thro- thrown around the place. Like, you really are. And at the and end I of it, they wanted us to jump off a bridge. Like, that's okay. Oh, <laughs> my God. You see, like that, I've no interest in doing bungee jumps or anything like that. Though New Zealand does seem to be the place to go if you want to do, like, some of the crazy sure. sports. Um, I'm very envious because I, I've only been at the, the top of the South Island where it's all sheep. So all oh, I saw were sheep. It is beautiful. I, I took the ferry from Wellington into Picton. Um, yes. I went through the, is it this, what's the name of the sounds? Is the Marlborough Sounds or something it's oh, called? Oh, the Marlborough Sounds and the Milford Sounds. I never know which is which. Yeah, but it went you through know? the sounds anyway. And it was, it was a gorgeous little town. It was weird, like yeah. nearly Norway, Norway and Wales yeah. mixed or something yeah. like that, you know. And if there were a town up there that has a 1920s, what do they call that style? Oh, oh, anyway, Deco, Art Deco, or Art Deco, that's it. Art Deco, yeah. there's a town there that's all. And you know what you did miss out on, Michelle, by a hair's breadth? On the, the northwest of the South Island is the Abel Tasman Sea. And I went sea kayaking there, and it's, and you can go hiking and you can do like a one hour, a one day, a one week hike. Oh, oh. the most. Stri- I actually found my old oh. pictures from museum recently, and they were fab. I love my kayaking. I tend to go kayaking yeah. wherever I, I do. I love it. I'm terrible at it. Like, you know, and I get really <laughs> tired. I've kayaked yeah. in Bilbao in northern, you know, up through the really? centre of the city. I've kayaked through in Thailand you, with my son. Have you done the no. ones on the canal in Dublin? I haven't done them in Dublin. I I, I've done them down in, in Leitrim. I've kayaked in oh, Leitrim lovely. in the Hidden Heartlands. You can, you can go fantastic. kayaking. You can go kayaking on the canal. And they're the, the slightly wide canal. Uh, sorry, the slightly wider boat, so you're you're not afraid you're going to roll well, off. There's it a much the better chance, time. much better chance of me kayaking in Dublin than New Zealand this year. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, um, uh, but but uh, you know, we, we've spoken about as far away as you can be. It, where in Ireland is your favourite place to holiday? Do you have any secret or hidden gems that are especially nice to to visit? Do you know there's a place I can't even remember the name of it. It's somewhere off Loch Derg down in County Clare and it's near Ogunlo and it's just beautiful. You've a bit of water, you've loads of countryside for nice walks. And there was even, oh, I wish I could remember the name of this place. My husband would, of course, because he's good at these, remembering these things. And there was a lovely little tapas bar there. And like in a small little town. Oh, it was gorgeous in Clare. And if I could find the name of it, I will I will let you know and you can put it in the podcast notes. Wow. I love I love that. And to be honest, like as a kid, I would have gone to Sligo a lot. So we did Ross's Point and Strand Hill. And I do think that Sligo is the most stunning part of the world. I, I do agree. love it's a bit beautiful. of yeah. I love West Clare because like that, it's so such dramatic countryside. So even if you're just driving through, it's lovely. And you're usually stuck behind a camper van going like 50 kilometers an hour. So you really have to, you have the time to soak up the lovely atmosphere. Absolutely breathe in, take it all in, the burn, yeah. the, the unusual yeah. flora and, you know, wildlife. Yeah. It really is. It's spectacular. Yeah. There. Yeah. So have you got plans for this this summer? Well, well, Michelle, can if I we tell are, you, if we can are. I tell you, we were we were beside ourselves we had decided you know what we're going to do you know what we're going to do we're going to rent a caravan for a week and we're going to so this crowd i this is not a paid for endorsement i heard that leitrim caravan hire have a great reputation so contacted them and they will put the caravan in either ross's point or strand hill and as i mentioned big soft spot for sligo and it's it's meant to be lovely and we were thinking you know what we'd love that read books drive around, have barbecues at night outside the caravan, and then poxy level five. So yeah. that's what we had planned. But um, it, it, hopefully it'll change by... Well, um, hopefully. Where we are, the, the hospitality is hoping it'll be... I know. By, I, just, by July. Your heart, your heart would break for people trying to make a living in Ireland. Like, And I just... I hope that when we all, we all, whenever that is, get vaccinated, that people are... Are, are you know that they remember to support what it is that's in their own country so you know what to be honest like i said earlier i got outside my five kilometer zone today because i got to go to the dentist genuinely pretty exciting so <laughs> if if i manage to get over as far as strand hill it's like oh it'll be it'll be oh good you'll you know embrace what's amazing it over there actually those seaweed baths oh my god i live and die for a seaweed bath and you know I, what michelle oh yeah there's a 
difference between the seaweed on the West Coast and the East Coast. And I heard a documentary one time about this. The stuff on the West Coast is very good for the baths and maybe the eating and the stuff on the East Coast is better for something else. So living on the I'm living in Dublin over 20 years. I do miss quick access accessibility to going to a seaweed bath. I know seaweed you can drop. Yeah. I know you can drop a thing and then in your own bathtub at home, but I don't think it's the same. No, it's not the same. And you know, one of the best ones I ever had was in Lusty Beg up in Ooh. Fermanagh. The, it, it, Lusty Beg is a real hidden little, it's like um, it's like Northern Ireland's hidden, what do you call that, that place in Wales? Now, it, it's not, it's, it doesn't have Italian um, architecture or anything, but it's like yeah. a little world of its own. And it, it's a little tiny island on the on the lock, uh, lower Loch Ern, and it's absolutely oh. stunning. It's just you know, and and, and th- this summer I had the delight of taking a cruiser there. So you, we came in on the water, and you have to if you take a car, you have to get a little kind of a little um, ferry to bring you over. Now it's only like hundred feet, but it's oh, just it's yeah, so yeah. cute. And they have a lovely restaurant and a couple of little pubs and different types of accommodation. Oh. And very do trail. They, do, oh, it's do they stamp your passports when you're going over? Because it sounds almost like they should. Country. <laughs> it, 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 they should. It is so cute. I just love this place, Lusty Lusty Bag, and Lusty and their Bag. spa. Their spa is the cheapest spa I've ever been in, and their seaweed baths. I mean, I I swear to God, I was thinking for a hen party, it would be the best place mm. to ever go because you could get yeah. your, all your waxing done and your eyebrows yeah. and your facials and everything. Oh, lovely! Yeah. Like, like I think that the, the waxing all started at like 10, 10 pounds, fifteen pounds. You'd have everything done for like twenty five wow. pounds. Like it was like amazing. <laughs> absolutely i know no that's it but but i totally agree with you with the old seaweed absolutely fat yeah it is it's fabulous um what if you were going to a hotel now what would be your most used facilities what would you kind of see as as your priority when you're on your holidays well if i'm in a hotel and I'm, i'm sorry to the hoteliers but i love having loads of baths in the room. So in terms of a room, I do like to have a lovely bath and I'll always bring loads of Epsom salts and lavender oil. And so I'd say I leave the bathtub in a bit of a sort of a greasy, salty mess. So sorry about that, hoteliers, but it it just, I love it. Because I when I have a bath here at home, I'm like, oh, let's clean the bathroom afterwards. It's lovely when I go away. But in a hotel, I do like, you know what I do love? And I might sound old before my time, she said optimistically. I do like a two night break where you get a a nice dinner included one of the nights, particularly if you're in some of the nice, like I know this time last year, just before lockdown, uh, just for the first lockdown, we had a two night break in Mount Juliet and it was a midweek break and we had dinner one of the nights. Oh my God, it was just lovely. I find it so relaxing. You can be off for a stroll during the day. I think we got bicycles. We, We cycled around the grounds. We went for a walk. And then you come back up to the room. I absolutely destroyed the bathtub with all my smelly oils and things. And then, you know, you literally you cl- get cleaned up and you go downstairs and you have a lovely dinner. It's it's just super, Mount Juliet. I mean, you don't have to be a golfer. They've got, the, they've got one of these yeah, special, you know, uh, golf courses. I think that the Irish Open is due to be held there this year. Oh, it was yeah. meant to be on last year, but it was postponed. Yeah. But yeah. Mount Juliet for me. The horse riding was just fantastic. I brought oh. my daughter down there and we went riding around the grounds. Oh, my God. It's just so stunning. So yeah. Much oh, it's just I, yeah. I love a two night break. And because for years I've worked weird, our radio presenting typically means you'll end up like on a weird random weekend shift for years or like late night shift or whatever it is. And so <laughs> I kind of got in the habit of going on a break whenever I could. And so sometimes like I'd be like, let's just go in a midweek because it's better value. The hotel yeah. will probably be a bit quieter. And oh, just, I'd, I'd nearly sell my spleen now to go on a nice two night break. But anywhere like that, where there's a, you know, a two night, it's just so relaxing. You don't have to be stressing about checking out of the room after one good night's sleep. And you know what? I don't think you ever sleep really well the first night when you're away somewhere. I think it's, um, somebody told me one time, it's something to do with when we, when we lived in the caves, that if you were in a different place, if you were somewhere new, you had to be kind of alert in case dinosaurs came looking for you. Now, this is kind of way back when, you know, this is like... Yeah. Oh, no, listen, I believe in that. Did you ever read that book, um, Why Men Don't Listen and Women Can't Read Maps? 
No. Did you ever read? Oh my God, that is such a good book. I think it's, <laughs> it was brought out in the 90s, but it, it explains an awful lot of our habits as men and women go back to our times in the caves. You know, oh, and like, like when a man opens the door of the fridge and there's like six packets of butter, where's the butter? There's no butter. It's because, it's because <laughs> they're, they're, they're trained to go out and to look for just one animal in distance and run after yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas yeah. a woman is taught to scan and she'll open it and there might be a tiny bit of butter just at the back hidden and she'll scan yeah. the whole thing and she'll find the bit of butter. So it, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's our and, and these were, instincts. These were evolutionary things that happened. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's really I interesting. I don't lose them now. We're all being packaged and no. sanitized. And no, 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 no. Dead. I hope these don't go. <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you know what actually was interesting? Just when you mentioned butter, anytime we have been to Germany, which, as I mentioned, my mother-in-law is German. And she lives in Dublin, but we use it as an excuse to go to Germany on holidays. Kerrygold butter is everywhere. And Kerrygold yogurts. And I'm fascinated by that. People just love Kerrygold outside of Ireland. It's fascinating. Yeah, they've done a great job. It's like tourism of Ireland. I think I think we really yeah. do a great job at promoting ourselves. I mean, what other country yeah. can have their national day coloured over the entire world? And of course, yeah. Patrick's Day is fantastic yeah. the way it's coloured. Yeah. You know, it's up there. It's uh, every country in the world has their, their icons. Yeah. And that, that was a great promotion. Um, so, so Ruth, where um I'm just going to ask you very quickly, have you taken any special photos on your travels that you would would remember any special selfies or even photos? Yeah. Do, do you know what? There was one particularly lovely love. Oh, my God. This, even when I think of it now. So my husband's uncle was turning 60 and he was living in Amsterdam at the time. And he said to us, lads, I'm going to have a bit of a 60th party. Do you want to come over? It'll just, it'll just be his words. It'll just be dinner and a few drinks. So we said, great. Now, then he sent us over a menu and it was like it was from three different restaurants. And he said, so you choose a starter from this one, a main from this and a dessert. And we were like, oh, OK, what's going on? Do you know what happened? No idea. So we were all arranged to meet at this particular hotel and there was about 40 of us. And the hotel, Amsterdam, of course, the hotel was on the water. So we all had a, a drink to start and it was a scorching hot day. And then he said, OK, our ride is here. We got onto a boat oh, and we all sat and it was gorgeous. We were sitting at the back and you somewhere at the front. And then we pulled up to some, I don't know, some side of a canal bank or something. And these people came on carrying trays of food and said, like, who ordered the this and who ordered the that? And your starters put down in front of you. And we were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And wow. Then we, wow. And then, you know, it goes on. And then about 45 minutes later, we pull in at a, at a totally different spot. They take the trays off us and the main courses come in and then you do it again. And then this dessert. Oh, my God, it was the loveliest thing. So we took the most amazing. Well, I say we the husband took the most amazing picture. And every time I see when you know, when you're scanning through your yeah. photos and every time I yeah. see it, I think that must be a stock photo. And every time I say, how is this in my photos? Rob will say, do you not remember? We took that on holidays in Amsterdam. It's such a spectacular photo and it's, I'm not really selling it, but I always remember the night with great fondness. People were so surprised yeah. by having such a lovely night in the center of Amsterdam, which has a reputation for being just a bit mad and a bit crazy, yeah. which it was. But once we were on the water, that was that was Oh, what just... a lovely. Oh, my God. Wasn't... I can actually just picture it. And you reminded yeah. me, actually, do you know there's a barge in Dublin called La Peniche and it's on the Grand yes. Canal? Have you been on that? Do. They do lovely no. lunches. And, Do they? Have, and I think you can hire them out then for events you as can. well. You know, yeah, yeah, well, for, of course, for weddings yeah. and that. For pre pre COVID, but I've driven past that um that canal boat thousands of times, I'd say. And every time I see it, I think, oh, that looks lovely. So yeah, I know exactly. Well, well I've had lunch mean. there and I actually was on a 30, I was at a 30th birthday party uh, as well. I think I'm sure yeah. it was on that one. And it is a great idea. Um, you know, like once everybody's kind of uh, back to normal, I think things like that were going to be hugely. Yeah, it would be lovely to do that. I, I think people will get very fond of being outside or being near fresh air. There's something reassuring good. about it. Really yeah, nice. really oh, for sure. So yeah. well, what, what are your plans, Ruth? Now, we know you, you, we, we hear you on the radio uh, on um, yeah. Radio Nova and on the Elaine show. You're, you're often in there presenting, doing Travel Tuesday. Yeah. With oh, what, what else are you up to? Because well, you have lots of strings to your bone. You do lots of things. Oh, Ruth's media. You know what? <laughs> I, I believe that they call it a portfolio career, which basically is a fancy way of saying you can't make your living out of one of the jobs that you can do. But when you do a lot of different things, 
will that the portfolio query? So other things I do, like just yesterday, um, which was, was wait, no, what day? two days ago was International Women's Day. So I would have emceed an event for um, at Dublin Chamber for International Women's Day. And this time last year, I would have emceed about six different events for International Women's Day. So I do a lot of emceeing, a lot of facilitating discussions and things like that. And that's something I really love because I don't need to be an expert. I just need to be able to get the best out of people who are on the panel, people who mightn't be accustomed to speaking. Um, and so I really do enjoy that. Then something else that I do is that I am a wedding celebrant. Now, at the minute, I don't have the, let's say, the, the full qualification to legally solemnize a wedding, which is, you know, when you go to the church and they sign the registry. Yeah, that's the example I give because most people are familiar with that dynamic. So I will I'm a humanist, which is a, it's just a non-religious group. And they have the, the, the capability in Ireland to train people as celebrants who can legally solemnize weddings. So at the end of this year, because I'm doing my training this year, at the end of this year, I'll be able to legally solemnize weddings. So oh, you know really? where you might like I know myself, I got married a couple of years ago in a hotel in Bunrati and I we had a humanist celebrant. And so he does the ceremony and then you sign the legal document afterwards. And for people wondering, because people always ask, what is it like? It's basically it looks like the footprint of a church wedding, which, look, I'm giving that example because I know growing up, that was just the kind of thing I got to see. It's like that just with the religion taken out. So instead of readings and prayers, you've got stories and poems. You still get people to read things. People can join in and sing. You can still have your string quartet and your whatever fanciness you want. If you want a 49 piece choir, which we did not have. <laughs> but yeah. you know you're it's it's a it's a lovely way to do a wedding I, I think so. it's gorgeous I was at a beautiful one with my, my friend Kathy in County Wicklow and I, I can't remember the name of the uh building we had our uh dining in a kind of a marquee but they have this, this it's like an old church and, and it has oh the do you know where that is it's it, that's that place oh it's like on the top of a hill and there's no yes there's and no stunning views there. but Brook no Lodge. Is it Brook Lodge? It's not Brook Lodge. No, it's not Brook Lodge. Because okay, I was a at a wedding one. one time in Brook Lodge and they like that. They have but a deconsecrated church it's that fantastic. you can have. It's absolutely, yeah. it was absolutely gorgeous. Any, anything else planned for yourself? Anything else going on? You know what? We sort of jokingly said um, we had a three week holiday in America last summer and it was amazing. And we went from Seattle to San Francisco and we drove down the West Coast and we stopped off at a wedding which in fact I officiated at in this beautiful forest setting. And then we went down as far as LA and stayed with friends of ours there. Um, Fabulous. Well, so that must have been early on in the year then or the year uh, before. It was, so the year before it was kind of September. Oh, September lovely. Yeah. yeah. And it was great. And when we did that, we said, you know what? That was a great holiday. We should maybe take our time and save up before we go on our next adventure. And so New Zealand is in the back of my head and Canada is in the back of my husband's head. So, you know, on the one hand, with like getting outside that five kilometers, sorry to harp on about it, we'd love that. But You could do a two-center, go, go via Canada, down. I'd say, though, if we did, we'd want to go to, let's say, Canada and take, take two weeks, if we could stretch it to three weeks, Oh, to go around three. and enjoy it for that yeah and then yeah, you yeah. see like there's no way you'd go on another trip like that for because New Zealand is very expensive now like when I was there it was cheap as chips so mm. New, New Zealand and Canada are sort of in the the middle distance <laughs> yeah very good very good this too shall pass and we will yeah. all travel again yeah and we have to keep to keep Can remembering that a, a quick funny one actually one of my colleagues in Nova they're uh Marty Miller and Dee Woods they are both presenters on Nova and they have gone and gotten themselves a big old van and they are now, well, he is doing all the organizing to get it kind of transformed, getting a door cut in, getting a window space cut in, getting beds and all sorts of things. And they have two small kids and they are going to be driving around at least Ireland anyway, when lockdown is lifted. And I'd say they heading maybe to Scotland. So things like that. I love the sound of absolutely and they won't be yeah. alone there'll be loads of people following yeah. suit it'll be great when yeah. we get out there yeah. <laughs> take care Ruth thanks a million Michelle it was lovely to talk to you today and stay well yeah you too stay well and safe thanks Ruth thanks Michelle 
Well, I really enjoyed that chat with Ruth Scott. She has such an adventurous spirit and this really helps when you set off on any trip. But it's also important to be prepared. And I always suggest a good travel agent is the difference between a wonderful holiday or a disastrous trip. So I had a few important questions for my friend Kira Foley of Platinum Travel this week. Well, with me today, I have Kira Foley, Managing Director of award-winning Platinum Travel, I have to add. Kira, it's lovely to see you and thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I was really looking forward to our chat today. Yeah, I think people really need to realize that you guys are still out there in the travel uh, industry providing services and looking after people you've had the most horrendous time um since the lockdown of covid what has it been like kira um it's been it's been an interesting and a fairly serious ride the last year i have to say um, we kind of were caught off guard when it first happened we didn't think it was going to have the knock-on effect and then every couple of months you thought it was only another few months and another few months and now here we on are a year a year later um looking back over the year i think what people don't realize is that we've had to stay open so we're refunding sales back as made as far as uh, summer 2019 and then we're trying to rebook people now into 2022 because people were booked for 2020 and then moved to 2021 and 2022 so we've had to stay open the entire time to administer those bookings speak to clients reassure clients and fight and chase refunds for people constantly. So it's been it's been difficult, all at no pay, I might add. All oh, at no pay. Ab- absolutely. And people have to realise that it has been very difficult out there for a lot of people, especially those with their own businesses. So I think it's really important that, um, that you know, people are patient with you and, and will support you when we can travel again. I think that's something very important because I, already now, Kira, and I've sent you a little email, I've been getting um, emails from people looking for ideas and for help with planning for big trips in 2020. And is this something that you see um, happening in, in your own business? Do you think that, that there are green shoots out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you had asked me two to three weeks ago, I probably would have had a different response. But in the last couple of weeks and speaking to travel partners, both in the UK and the USA, who are a little bit ahead of us at the moment, I can see things changing, which is fantastic. So, for instance, I was on a conference call yesterday with six different states in the USA. They are all opening up. Vaccinations are being done. The national parks are open. The hotels are open. The restaurants are open and they're traveling interstate all over the USA now. Um, different states have different rules but for the most part it's good news coming out of every state in a positive direction UK similarly are a little bit ahead of us as well they're starting to see a huge increase in bookings um, still not back to where it was and it won't be but as soon as they saw the vaccination numbers going up the inquiries are coming in and the bookings are coming in so we are a little bit cautious and behind that but we are coming up behind them and the inquiries are coming in so that's always a plus would you think that people if they perhaps have saved from by not going away over the last 18 months would you think that this would be a good time to start thinking about because in 2022 it sounds like a lot of people are going to want to travel and for big big holidays too Absolutely. And there's a number of things that will affect this. So the first answer is yes, definitely. I would start planning and I'd start looking out there. You don't actually have to book yet, but if you are definitely thinking about something, start planning and start researching for your big holiday. Most of the inquiries that we're getting and discussions that we're having from people are all bucket list trips, you know, big trips, people that are planning stuff that they'd wanted to do for years and now they've saved up the money to do it. Um, And of course, you know, there are an awful lot of people who have been affected as well um, who mightn't be able to afford the big huge book list trip but they will be looking forward to their European sun break or there may be a city break as well um, the second thing is you have to take into consideration that everybody that moved from 2020 to 2021 is now moving to 2022 so that's a huge number of people we had 400,000 from last year to this year but add on whatever people have booked for this year into next year and you're into massive numbers so the allocation and the availability is going to be very very tight so I, I'll just use USA as an example again because because of the conference I was at but if you look at Yellowstone National Park they are sold out for all their lodgings for this summer and if you look at 2022 the bookings are being booked way ahead in advance you know camper vans um, five-star hotels three-star hotels and Europe will be the same so if there's something specific that you want 
book it well in advance. There's low deposits out there. There's great um, cover for you and uh, booking with confidence with all the cruise companies, the airlines, the hoteliers. They're looking after people with low deposits and, you know, giving them the option to change if they need to change. So planning is definitely uh, is definitely a, a thing they should be doing now. Um, and, and, and what what about, you know, the tra- travel insurance? Has there been any indications from the ITAA or anybody about what um, where we'll stand with insurance? Well, at the moment, insurance, uh, there, there's a number of policies out there that you can get and they are changing regularly. But if they, they have different um, sections on them in regards to what you'll be covered for. So you may, for instance, be covered by um, medically if you, uh, if you get COVID yourself. However, you may not be covered if your holiday is cancelled due to COVID. So it's really, really important that you read the terms and conditions of every policy that you look at. Pick up the phone and ring them. You know, I mean, we have we have a number of policies that we use here, but I would, you know, investigate them and be sure. And read the fine print. Read the fine print. It's very, very important. And in fairness, insurance insurance companies, much as we love to hate them, they were massively hit as well. So, you know, there's a knock on effect all around the industry. So read the fine print. But most bookings now for 2022, you should be able to book with a low deposit. On, On that note, airlines are not loaded yet. We're a little bit early. They only get loaded 10 or 11 months out. So unless you're booking a charter package, that won't be bookable yet, but you can book your cruise, you can book your um, your your escorted tour. That's all bookable. And, and is there year. any indication of prices or how they'll be changed with the airline situation, or are we kind of at sea? <laughs> with we that? are a little bit. I think if you were to look now for booking for say September, October, November, twenty twenty one, which I do believe there's going to be you know some travel at the the second half of this year or the the last quarter anyway, you will see that the prices are quite good at the moment. But be prepared. Because as soon as it opens up and as soon as it's safe to go, those prices are going to rocket because the demand is going to be absolutely astronomical. It's going to be huge. And while that excites us in one one way, we don't want to be you know, disappointing you clients with prices in the other way. But unfortunately, it's supply and demand. Um, we're hosting a number of evenings over the next two weeks, our inspirational travel evenings, which we're really excited about. And that's just to inspire customers. We're bringing partners on board, suppliers on board. And we'd love to have a chat with you Michelle in the, in the future as oh, well I'd, maybe I'd get your to expertise talk about to have a chat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, just to inspire people and we'd encourage people to to you know drop in and have a listen and and just get some ideas for those special trips but yeah, book well, early definitely but see this is this is what this travel podcast is all about Kira. it's about it's about kind of uh feeding our wanderlust and and, and helping us see beyond this difficult time to when we can return to travel because it's it's something people in the industry are so passionate about and you Extremely. know and, and it's something that everybody really enjoys and when we recall our, our favorite memories it's usually um a trip we've taken or a yeah. holiday you know that stands out as the highlight of our year so I think it's really really important having missed it now for so long I think it's going to be hugely popular it's going to be hugely popular and I get excited even discussing um, these trips with people now because they're getting to book things that we have been dying for people to book for years, like the big wide open spaces of the road trips in the USA, the, you know, the boutique river cruises all over Europe, the fabulous Asia adventures. There's so much out there and so much choice and the, the value at the moment for early bookings is amazing. So we look forward so much looking after customers. And I think it's important as well that people uh, realise, I mean, it's something terrible to look at the coronavirus meter, but there are countries that haven't been touched, barely touched, you know, that they, 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 you know, countries like Fiji, which I was in last year, um, countries like um, Barbados and the Seychelles, I've mentioned them before on the podcast, because their numbers have been so low and they're very safe places. Extremely, extremely. And I love that you mentioned Barbados because they've worked extremely hard and they've been really keeping everybody in the know about what's going on. Similarly with the Indian Ocean, the Maldives, the Seychelles, they've done a phenomenal job as well. I suppose as islands, it maybe makes it a little bit easier because they're smaller, and more compact, but but they're not unattainable. Absolutely not. And I think these are the places that need our support. Tourism needs our support. I mean, 
all these islands, they rely on our business. We need to get back out and spend with them because if you, you've been to Fiji. How much of that island is based around incoming, you know, passengers? Oh, oh, and, oh they really, know? they really rely on it. Even the schools yeah. rely on, you know, visitors bringing pencils and paper and, and books to the schools. Yeah. So they, they rely heavily on tourism. Um, I, I think um, moving forward though, I think, um, you know, people will want to go to places that haven't been hit, like New Zealand, perhaps. Like, are they going to let people in? That is a question. I mean, we that don't is the know question. Yet. She's she's quite strict in fairness to her. She's quite strict. <laughs> I have to say she's exactly I think between her earthquakes and having babies and running countries. And she's she's a, a, fa- a fairly she's amazing a remar- woman, a remarkable woman. She really, she is. really, really is. I think, you know, I mean, Australia and New Zealand are very strict with borders closed. I have a pal over there who's um, was hoping to come home this summer and won't be able to come home, which is disappointing. Australia and New Zealand are very, very strict. I do believe that they will open up to tourism again. They both certainly need it, especially in New Zealand, but it might be just a little bit further down the line. It may be a case if the USA opens up before Europe. It might be a case that, you know, parts of Asia open up before other parts. So, I mean, some countries have really surprised us with how they've handled it. Countries that you would not have expected to be as good, you know. So uh, it is a bit of a waiting game. And one of my favorites is Thailand. I adore that. And they, they have really controlled the virus um, yeah. with very strict lockdowns. But it, apparently, you know, they, they are prepared to take people in. But, you know, pe- people aren't going now and, and they're afraid to go. And, and it's such a shame because, you know, it, it's, a, it's a country very much where you can live and enjoy the outdoors, which is uh, I think that's going to be very, very popular. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's it. I think a big issue with getting to a place like this is that it's not a direct flight. So coming from the likes of Ireland, you'd have to take two, maybe three flights if you were going over to Thailand. Okay, two to Bangkok. And I think cruise ships, that's it's a very interesting topic. Cruise ships got an awful lot of bad press at the start of this because they had the outbreaks on the ships. But in fairness, they're actually extremely safe. They have one of the best health protocols on board. Um, but they've just got yeah. so much bad media attention at the start that people target target them now but there's it's like it's like plane crash there are thousands and sky all the time there are thousands of cruise ships on the oceans so i i be looking at at cruise lines as a holiday great holiday and river cruises particularly yes absolutely yeah no i couldn't agree more um so is there anything else that you you think listeners should kind of look out for or coming up or just just anything else around travel i think for the most part I would be telling people that do your research because very often all this time will have passed and we won't have actually done the research and done the planning. Sit down, sit down with your family and sit. I would ask that they book with a local travel agent. Ideally, we'd love them to book with Platinum Travel, but we're such a small industry that any booking to any travel agent in this country is is good for us. You know, that to support your local travel industry from the outset. We've been here from the start. We have looked after clients from the start. So, you know, book book with a reputable agency and do your research and uh, and look forward to it and enjoy looking forward to it. And if it gets moved, it gets moved. At the oh, end of the world we we'll look after again you yeah know? i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more and i've always been saying it and well before this pandemic i was always encouraging people book through a travel agent you don't we know now what Thank happens you. when you don't go to the hairdresser because we all need our hairdresser because they're the experts in looking Absolutely. after our hair and you guys are the experts in looking after how we travel and where we should go and what we should do so i think people have to really really keep that in mind and keep your industry going i think you're actually going to see a boom once we travel again because i think people will really rely on your expertise even more uh, and I your knowledge so, yeah. before they travel you know well that's it and we are a service that you know we do think it's worth paying for you pay for a service with solicitors and doctors and all that that we are we are a service there to help you and, and inspire you yeah, absolutely and look after you and you do exactly. you looked after people so well Kira, thank you so much for giving me your time today i i, I think I, I i want to go now and book something <laughs> when i finish this i'll be talking to you about my, my my next great trip but um thanks so much again and just people could find you on platinumtravel.ie yeah. That's right, platinumtravel.ie. And from that main page, you can click into the inspirational evenings then to book whichever night you want to go along to. And uh, and thank you for all the support, Michelle, as always. It's always uh, lovely to chat with you. It's always great to chat to you too, Kira. Listen, take care. Thanks so much you for your too. time. You too. Thanks, Michelle. Bye. 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 Well, that's it for this week, folks. Check out my website, thenoveltraveller.com, for any further news about travel as the landscape opens up and we prepare to travel again. 
You can follow me on social media on Insta at The Novel Traveller and on Facebook and Twitter too at The Novel Traveller. So until next week, ciao for now and I'll leave you with Pat Coltrick and Oreo Sunrise. <laughs>